Uh, we're going to go through two chapters of the book of Acts. And the, the title of my preach what it is, is the unstoppable purpose of God. That God's plans and purposes do not stop. God's purposes are unstoppable. What God says He will do, what He promises He will fulfill. And this is how we are to live our lives. This is the blanket scripture or the underlying scripture. Thank you so much. Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 to 14. It says, Not that I've already, already obtained all of this or already have arrived at my goal. There's what we do here. We've got a goal, but we're not there yet. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. Straining towards what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize. Not a World Cup. The prize, Jesus. For which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Okay, so that is the foundation on which I want to build the story that God wants to bring us into. Uh, Paul, we're going to go through Acts 27 and 28 to summarize. There's some scriptures we're just going to go through. What happens and how do we live our lives through the storm? Life is full of storms. Life is full of tests, full of changes. There's ups and downs. But how do we live lives of consistency? How do we live lives of character that will bring other, see, let our, allow others to see the life of Jesus in us, that we can bring people on a journey, that we can live the life that God has for us, the pressing on. Okay, you with me? We're going on this journey with Paul. And it is, it's, uh, hopefully it's quite a well-known passage. Paul feels the call to go to Rome. Now those, uh, now Rome, he hadn't ever been there before. The Lord has spoken to him, you're going to go to Rome. The Lord has said, persecution's coming, jail's coming, beating's coming. Tests are coming. And he goes, he spends, he goes on a two-year journey. And this is the end of that two years. So he's been to prison, he's been beaten, he's been bribed, he's been, if you read it, it's like, if there was ever a movie that I'd love to make about the book of Acts, it is Paul's last journey. It's just like filled with the roller coaster ride of what it means to live in God's plans and purposes. It's a beautiful story, yet it's very real. Paul was a real person, and, and the people that were with him were very real people. So maybe you feel, we're, we're just, how are you doing? In, you look at the big events in the world, what's happening, and there may be fear, or there may be uncertainty, or where's hope, or you may be going through personal stuff in your life, uh, health stuff, or, um, or relations. You know, there's stuff we go into. Well, whatever we are, this is a message for you. How do we, how do we uh, navigate the sea to the other side, to the prize? Okay, so we're going to start with a story. So, uh, so Paul knew that if it gets to Rome, all roads led to Rome, which means all those roads lead out of Rome. Which means if he gets the gospel there, he gets a base church set up there. That means the gospel can go to all parts of the world. Okay, that's what I, I feel. <laughs> that's what he felt. Okay, so he feels Rome is it. This is the why, why he was called to live. God had called him and this 
is the why. Every single one of us have a why, have a purpose while we're here. And I'm going to share with you how we can live in it, how we can keep going on. Okay. Right. So we start in Acts chapter 27. So Paul is now towards the end of that journey on the way to Rome. And he's, he's, a, he's a prisoner with other prisoners and he's on his way to Rome. And the captain says, let's get in the boat, let's go. And Paul says, no, I don't think we should go. But they say, no, look, it's, it's all calm and we should go. This is what happens. And so this here we get, chapter 27. This is this amazing adventure, this book that God is writing that he wants to include us in and included Paul in this story. The headline in your and my life is Jesus changes lives. Amen. Jesus changed life. That's the headline. That's the book. That's, that's the story we are called into while we're in this world. So it says here, verse 1, are we all there? When it was decided that we would set sail for Italy, Paul and some of the other prisoners were handed over to the centurion named Julius, who belonged to the imperial regiment. So I'm going to just stop. So I'm going to go through this chapter and taking out excerpts and teach us principles on how we navigate the ocean when the storms come or when, when we're going through stuff. Are you with me? So this applies to every single one of our lives. I love the fact that uh, it says, when it was decided, we set sail. Who's the we? Luke was in that story. Luke, his name's never mentioned. So Luke, Luke uh, was a Greek. They feel he, uh, they think he was a Greek or he was a Jewish, but Jew, but uh, raised Greek. And he only got saved after the resurrection of Jesus. Okay, he gets saved. He's a doctor, highly qualified, very intellectual, very knowledgeable. He has got a career. He has got influence. He has got material wealth that's waiting for him. He can be rich in this world. But he meets Jesus. And Jesus changes his life. And he says, Jesus changed my life. I'm going to place myself into God's story. I'm going to tuck myself into what God is doing and not pursue my career. Not pursue my material wealth. Not pursue my hobbies. Not pursue my wants. I'm going to give myself for the gospel's sake. And he tucks himself as someone alongside Paul. And we don't hear his name once in the book of Acts. But he's there in between the lines. I want to say that God has called every single one of us. Some of us have the privilege of standing up here and leading and, and preaching. But the majority of people will never be on the stage. Will never be up front. But every single person that God has come and changed their life has got a plan and a purpose. There is no incidental members. No random citizens in God's kingdom. Every single person matters to God, and God is calling you to be part of his story. He's not calling you to, uh, to go for a career. He's not calling you to build your own kingdom. not calling you to, to run this life and, and get wealth in this life and pursue self-interest. He's calling you to be part of his plan. He says, I want to write my story over your life. I want to write you into my book into my book, which is a beautiful thing. 
You see, he said, Luke said, Jesus changed my life. I want to be in that story. Where can I serve? Where can I be part of what God is doing? Luke's name means light bringer. Or he who brings health. How do you love that? And in the background, in, the, in between the pages, in between the lines, is someone who's bringing light into situations, into circumstances. And he's there in the story. See, God's church, God's kingdom, is not built on the gifts of the few, but the sacrifices of many. Every single one of us, God's got a plan and a purpose. I want to say, write yourself into the we. C-point. Every single one of us, write yourself into the we. We are doing this thing together. We are pressing on for the prize together. We are in God's story. God's grace has changed my life, and I want to be tuck myself into what God's doing. Amen? Are you all with me? Okay. That's point number one, that God calls every single one of us. There's no incidental... You are not a mistake. You are not, you are yeah with a plan and purpose that God intended for you to be here. Amen? There's a plan and purpose for you. Here we go. Point number two. Are you with me? Okay. Okay, good. Is this okay? Every single one of us. Okay. Uh, verse 13 to 15. I'm jumping around the second point. So, it says here, verse 13 to 15. It says, When a gentle south wind began to blow... They saw their opportunity. This was the, the ship people. Now, let's remember, these guys were sailors that sailed the sea their whole lives. They knew what it meant to be in sea and to be at sea, but to be navigating the waters. So they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore. A gentle wind began to blow. Before very long, how's this life, huh? We think things are just a gentle wind. Things are... Things are hunky-dory and going well. It says, before very long, a wind of hurricane force called the Northeaster called South African economy and the petrol price, called the interest rate hike, swept down from the island. The ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind. So we gave way to it and were driven along. The second point that I want to make in Paul's journey is there's always going to be a storm in the sea. For every ship that sails on the ocean, there's going to be a storm. And I want to prepare you for that. That I've ser Kim and I have been serving Jesus full-time for since 1996. Um, served the Lord for many, many years, and I'm telling you, and you look at history, and you look at lives around you, you think there's a gentle breeze, a storm's coming, sometime, and it could be a little, little, little squall that messes around with the sails of the ship, but it's coming. But God's story is in the detours of our life. God's story, God's character, God's nature is in the very essence of the storm. Because God, God's there. We, we sang about it, we sing about it this morning, and 
has come through the character of God. Do you all believe on the omniscience of God, that God knows everything? Omniscience, you know that, okay? Do you all know the omnipotence of God? All-powerful. Okay, you've all heard these big words. You've all heard about the omnipresence of God. Omnipresence of God. All over. Not just in time, but in space. All over. That God, that nature of who He is, knows that you're in the storm. He's omniscient. He's got, he's got all the power to overcome and grace in the storm. And He's with you, present in the storm. That's who God is. Amen. Beautiful, beautiful. I've just been going through a bit of a study in, in, in Colossians. It's a beautiful book on the sovereignty of God. He sovereignly rules over everything. And because he's sovereign over all, he's got to be sufficient in all. He's enough for you and me in the storm. No matter what we're going through, God is enough. And he's just, just beautiful, beautiful to, uh, to know that God's with us no matter what we're going through. There's no minor roles in the kingdom. God's moments are unfolding every time no matter what we're going through. There's no unimportant events. In the storm, God wants to do things in our lives, which goes on to the next point that I want to say. So I want to say, while I have breath, me, for me, Every breath I breathe, I want to run for Jesus. I want to have passion for him. I think I had more passion this morning than I did for the rugby last night. I'm all right. I didn't dance around. I was, I was beautiful, but man, this morning was just like a, like a just worshiping and loving him and passion. As long as you've got breath, God's got a reason for you. He's got a purpose for you. The story of uh, uh, John and the Isle of Patmos. I'll share this in other context. Isle of Patmos. He's old. He's the only apostle left alive. He, he's been, he's been ex excommunicated. Not excommunicated. He's been exiled. <laughs> he wasn't excommunicated. He was exiled. He was a prisoner on the island of Patmos. And he must have thought, my life is over. What, why am I still alive? He planted the church, I think, in Ephesus. Probably looked after probably looked after Mary. Mary probably died in Ephesus as well. And Jesus comes to him on the island. He's all alone. What's it, my purpose still here? And he was breathing. And Jesus comes to him and says, when I saw him, he appears to him. You know the, the Revel, book in Revelation, that, that beautiful, magnificent, risen Jesus, the Jesus that John had never seen before. Light, sword out of his mouth, eyes like fire. White hair, the just perfection he saw. And who holds the seven stars, holds the church in his hands. says, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. And I love this fact. God, or Jesus, the living Savior, who holds the seven churches in his hands, said, then he placed the same hand that holds the churches, he placed his right hand on me. And said... Do not be afraid. I'm the first and the last. I'm the living one. I was dead and I look. I am alive forever and ever. I hold the keys of death and Hades. Write, therefore, what you've seen. Your life is not over. I still want to write my story through your life as long as you breathe. Hello? Beautiful. 
God's got a plan and purpose for our lives, no matter who we are, no matter how young we are in the Lord, no matter how old we are in the Lord. Purposes of God. Number three, which leads on for that. The storms, let me just read it for you. Acts 27, 20 to 22 says this. When neither the sun nor stars appeared for many days, and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. I think God was in this. After they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, Men, you should have taken my advice and not to sail from Crete. Then you, were, then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. But now I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. The storms are designed to strengthen our courage and not shipwreck our faith. The storms are designed to strengthen our courage, not shipwreck our faith. And you know what? Sometimes God says, I need to take all forms of comfort you have, all forms of what you hold on to. The ship, there needs to be, we can't do anything on our own anymore. There's, there's nothing. We come but ourselves. That's all we have, and that's what they had. They could do nothing. There's nothing more they could do. So we must not be surprised when difficulties come. God is not against us. He's a loving Father. From the book of Gandalf. As the hordes, as the, as the storm of whatever those things were. What were they called? Orcs. Says, courage will now be your best defense against the storm that is at hand. That and such hope as I bring. Courage. You see, the storms are there too. I'll just give them to you very quickly. I'm not going to preach on the other. Oh, well, the purpose of storms mature our character to grow in Christ like nature. If we go, of course, to discipline us. that we do not miss the mark. Number three, the storms remind us of the why we are here, that this is not our home. The pain we go through, the heartache we go through, no matter what you're going through, maybe there's suffering, maybe there's hardship, maybe there's pain, maybe there's sickness, whatever it is, don't waste it. God's in it. God wants you to use it for his glory. This is how we Press on and we give him glory in every moment. And finally, the reason why there have these storms in our lives is a witness to the world of the worth of Jesus. That Jesus sustained us, his grace is there no matter what the storm is. It's a witness. I mean, Paul, men, do not be afraid, take courage. So the storms come, and when you're feeling doubt, when you're feeling fearful, don't be. Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. He's, make sure he's in the boat, eh? Number four, chapter 27, verse 31 to 32. Remember... Uh, then Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay with the ship, you cannot be saved. 
So the soldiers cut the ropes that held the lifeboat and let it drift away. Cut the ropes of the lifeboats. There is no plan B. I remember when we went to um, Marshall Bay, uh, both Kim and I are teachers, our careers. I'm a high school teacher. Kim is a foundation teacher, a junior, we call it junior primary. So we had careers. We had careers. I was um, 10 years in teaching. I was a, a, a head of department at a very young age and I was moving up the ranks in a way. And then what happened? We took the package. Uh, by faith, we ran a business as a tent-making type thing so that we can be full-time available for the church. This was in Port Elizabeth days. And then the Lord called us to Mossel Bay. We sold our house. And the proceed that we had was there as a kitty in case. And in case was what we needed in the case. We weren't able to, and we have the privilege now, 18 years later, so we're able to buy a house again, or 15, whatever it was, which is an amazing blessing. But we went to Mossel Bay. No get out of jail cards. No plan B. Moved our family. I remember one day, um, the kids, the boys, one of the boys said to Kim, I think it was, Mommy, Daddy, can we go back? Home. And we had to say we can't. I think it was Bryce. <laughs> or was it Keegan? I don't know. <laughs> Can we go back? We've got friends there we've left. We've got a church that we grew up with, that we planted, that we're very much in, in that congregation. We're friends. We had family. We had Kim's, Kim's folks. My folks were there. My family was there. But we said we can't. The Lord has spoken. There is no plan B, there is no escape route. There is no provident fund. There is no retirement annuity that's going to keep it. Well, we've got, I mean, we have to do this thing. But it, yeah, what I'm saying is that's not our dependence. We can't, there's no plan B. There isn't a, well, if this doesn't work, let's do that. We've got to cut the ropes of the, of the lifeboats. Stay on the boat. This is what the Lord's called us to do. Those, those sailors were well-known sailors. You know what they did? They actually wrapped ropes around, if you go read that, around the bow of the boat. I don't know how they did that, to keep the boat together. These guys knew what they're doing. Guys knew what they're doing. And when they wanted to get in those lifeboats, they knew there's no hope. And I think some of us maybe have got a couple of lifeboats Waiting in case this plan of God doesn't work out and there's another country we need to go to. When we left my, my family, I've come from a family of six siblings. Every single one of them emigrated. My, my blood family is from America to UK to New Zealand. We are like spread far and wide and the remnant has stayed behind. And I could have gone, gone to New Zealand because they are looking for teachers at the time. But the Lord said, go plant a church in Mossel Bay. And look at Mossel Bay now. Look what God has done. Okay.
because you you followed God's plan, I got saved there. So that's one of the... If you didn't go. Thank you. Beautiful. Eh? It's, someone in between the lines. Someone say something. Okay. Welcome here. So it's just God brings us into his story. It's just beautiful. Just This is it. We're together. See point, this is it. And we've got to add. See what God has for us. Cut the ropes of the lifeboats. We are called to be a people led by the Spirit. Led by the Spirit, not led by our own desires. Number five, uh, Acts 27, verses 33. Let me see how we're doing on time. Okay, we still okay. We've got 10 minutes to go. So just before dawn, this is verse 33 to 38. Just before dawn, Paul urged them all to eat. I want you to visualize. Visualize that. Picture it. Storm for 14 days. They've chucked the lifeboats off. They've got rid of a lot of baggage and stuff that was there to lighten the load of the boats. And Paul says, guys, let's chow. For the last, he said, Paul urged them all to eat. For the last 14 days, he said, you've been in constant suspense. That's a little bit of a under constant suspense. <laughs> they were petrified. And have gone without food. You haven't eaten anything. Now I urge you to take some food. You, you need it to survive. Not one of you will lose a single hair from your head. This is like, what? After he said this, look at this. He took some bread, gave thanks to God in front of them all. Then he broke it and began to eat. They were all encouraged and ate some food themselves. Altogether, there were 276 of us on board. When they'd eaten as much as they wanted, they lightened the ship by throwing the grain into the sea. Point number five, there's always a meal to be had in the middle of the storm. In fact, you better eat because you could get suspense or suspended. No, I'm only joking. <laughs> you could lose your strength. The word, feast in the word, worship, prayer. There's always a feast to be had in the middle of the storm. Break bread together with one another, giving thanks and worship the word of God. Stay on the boat. Have the meal cons consistently. It's what comms is all about. What our times together is all about. Do not neglect the gathering of the saints because every time you get together, there's a meal. There's food to sustain you. There's food to urge you. There's food to, to keep you going. There's prophetic words. Man, the Lord has given us so much. There's a meal to be had. Man, a lavish meal. Come, do you see your time? Come, leaders, do you see it as not just a physical meal? I know you eat together, which is lovely. But I'm feasting on Neil as I get together because what he's giving me sustains me. There's water that comes. There's, there's words that are spoken. There's prophetic words that come. And there's thanks that happens to the Lord and in front of all of us. And you know what? All 276 matter. All are accounted for. 
in God's story. Beautiful. Beautiful. 276. I love that. They counted each other. God's counting. Every soul matters. Every life matters to God. Every life matters to God. Be devoted. Be devoted to the, the fellowship, the breaking of bread. Acts 2.42, this is church, what we're going through. Be devoted, people. It's how we live, how we strive, how we, how we live in the that to which God has called us. We press on. This is how we do it, together, in the ship, together. Jesus there. Number six, are we all with me? So this is a beautiful story that God just calls us in to be part of his story. Um, you like this. I eh? reading the Bible like this, you take it line by line, you think, yes, there's, there's something in it, there's something in it for me. And you think Paul was a real person, Luke was a real person. And by the way, I forgot to tell you that Luke wrote just as much scripture, if not more than Paul did. Just by the way, the light giver. Okay. Altogether, this is verses 37 and then 42 to 44. Altogether, there were 276 of us on board. The soldiers planned to kill the prisoner to prevent any of them from swimming away and escaping, but the centurion wanted to spare Paul's life and kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and to get to land. The rest were to get there on planks and other pieces of ship. In this way, everyone reached land safely. The storm isn't the end. The storm isn't the end. The safest place you and I can ever be is in the will of God. Living in obedience, living in faith, living in that courage. Courage, courage isn't a feeling. It's a choice. Faith isn't a feeling, it's a choice. Passion isn't a feeling, it's a choice. Amen. From the book of Gandalf. I think, I think, um, where's the main hobbit again? Frodo. So is this the end? The animal, all the, those gawk, orcs are coming, gawks, orcs are coming. The end? No, the journey doesn't end here. Death is just another path. One that we all must take. The grey rain curtain of this world rolls back and all turns to silver glass. And then you see it. White shores and beyond. A far green country under a swift sunrise. This isn't it. This isn't the end. There's a promise of the return of a king. He comes in his glory and we are going to be one day with him. The storm and what we're going through and the war in Israel and what's happening in world events and what's happening around the world. It's not the end of the world. It's the beginning of the birth pangs of a new one. Hello? Beautiful. <laughs> I love the story. Acts 28, we go to Acts 28 quickly. So this is, I'm going to be landing this now.
So they get safely on shore. Once we're safe on shore, we learned that we were on the island of Malta. The people of the island were very kind to us. It was cold and rainy, so they built a fire. So they built a fire on the shore to welcome us. I want you to look at this picture. Malta, the islanders, make the fire. Paul has been on a 14-day, what would you call it, <laughs> in that storm. Adventure, horrific, horrendous storm, surrounded by people of fear, surrounded by doubt, surrounded by terrified sailors. This ordeal, through this ordeal he's been through, and here he is. The islanders make the fight, says, as Paul gathered an armful of sticks. Paul the apostle serving. Serving the sailors. So as he gathered and was laying them on the fire, a poisonous snake driven out by the heat bit him on the hand. The people of, island, the, people of the island saw it hanging from his hand and they said to each other, he must be a murderer. They escaped the sea. Justice will not permit him to live. But Paul shook the snake off into the fire and suffered no ill effects. The people expected him to swell up or suddenly fall dead, but after waiting a long time and seeing nothing unusual happen to him, they changed their minds and said it was a God. Point number seven. Beware of the snake in the wood. Beware of the flesh. See, they, he got the, the... Imagine this miracle that happened. Here he is, just serving the Lord, and there was a snake. I want to tell you that the devil is prowling around like a lion. I'll do anything to destroy you. If he can't destroy you, he'll try and deceive you. If he can't deceive you, he'll try and discourage you. If he can't discourage you, he'll try to derail your faith. And so what he'll do is he'll come while you're serving, while you're picking up sticks, the menial task, and he'll come with a little bit of self-pity. He'll come with a little bit of pride. He'll come with a little bit of selfishness. Whatever, the flesh. Come a little bit of sexual temptation. The flesh, beware. Beware of the flesh, because the flesh can rob you of the destiny that God has for you. I'm not going to speak too much on that. I'm just saying, in terms of what happened, God's got a plan. If the snake wants to bite you, trample the head. Throw it back in the fire. Kill the flesh in your life. Kill that temptation. The, the enemy wants to steal from you. Understand that all the time. Beware of success. Beware of the storm. Beware of self-pity. Beware of these things. Because the enemy will want to rob you. Book of Gandalf. It's not our part to master all the tides of the world but to do what is in us for the succor of the years wherein we are set, uprooting the evil in the fields that we know, so that those who live after may have a clean earth to till. What weather they shall have is not ours to rule. In other words, if it, needs, if it means picking up sticks to fan the flames of this congregation, 
pick up sticks and do it. Serve the Lord, whatever it is, whatever it takes, what's in your hand, use it together as a congregation and as a church. We're living what God has for us and plans and purposes. The plans and purposes of God will be unstoppable. Amen? And the final thing is a sip of water. Paul, on this adventure of two years of imprisonment, of accusations, of beatings, of bribery in front of kings, in front of prison, in a centurion, in front of prison wardens, chained on a ship in a storm, bitten by a snake, gets and he gets to Rome. This is it. This is what he's been called to live. This is his plan and purpose for getting to Rome. And this is how it ends. Verse 28, chapter 28, verses 30 to 31, the last verses of the book of Acts. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house. He was, he was a, what do you call it? He was a prisoner at home. What do you call it? House arrest. There he rented his own house and welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. What? Paul goes to Rome, goes through all that to have people visit him in his house. Doesn't, the story doesn't, and, and, is that it? I mean, tears, this is the place, and he's having like, calm, that's it. And he's under house arrest, and he welcomed, and the people allowed him to preach the gospel and everything, but that's it. And the Holy Spirit, I believe, put it in there like that because that's how it's meant to be and Luke put it in there because he is saying I believe is that it didn't end with a full stop it's well like and you and me finish the story you and I are called to be part of the story there's more next thing that God has for us is the more that God has for you and for me and what it takes is that we posture ourselves to God and say, Lord, I'm going to stay on this boat. I want to live for your glory. Why? And, you know, things are happening in the world and there's emotions and there's tests that I go through, there's storms that I go through. Whatever life throws at me, God, I want to keep my eyes on the prize. I want to keep going. I want to stay on the ship. I want to stay on the boat. No matter what God's called me to, you've got a plan and purpose for my life. I think it was in uh, Gandalf says to Frodo, right at the end, this is my final saying. Frodo is sitting in his own little comfortable spot there in his little toadstool house and having all these, conversa these conversations and Gandalf's trying to bring him in to the story. And, and, and this is what I'm urging you in a way, in a greater way, come into the God story. And as... As Gandalf's about to go out, he says, Frodo, 
You've been sitting quietly for far too long. You've been sitting quietly for far too long. I trust that every single one of us are a little bit out loud. I'm not talking about necessarily loud in volume. I'm talking about your life. That you, we like Luke, are these life givers, these bringers of healing into our world. If the headline of your life is Jesus has changed my life, then you're called to be part of God's bigger story. Whatever that takes. I want to encourage you this morning in your faith to keep going, to keep building, to keep, no matter what life circumstances come across your way, and then sit quietly in the pew. Some of you may be like Frodo sitting there, you've been sitting far too quietly. Maybe not. It's between you and the Lord and the things you need to chat about maybe with others and those you're accountable to. But this is what God's called us to. Amen? Man, what a beautiful plan and purpose for us. Wesley, maybe we can... Uh, Wesley, where's the musos? Leon's carrying babies around. Okay. That's fine, that's fine, I understand. So let's stand together. And I think I could always... Um, You know, we can posture ourselves uh, right where we are. But I believe there's, there are a couple of things that I just want to appeal to, maybe Mark or one of the other guys with me, I want to just add maybe in some way. But my prayer is that we as a people, individually and together, would say, Lord, you've changed my life. You're the headline in my life. And while I have breath, while you put thing, your breath in me, I'm going to press on to take hold of that for which Jesus pressed hold of and took me. That we're going to live flat out, flat out for Jesus, no matter what, no matter what it takes, what it is. Lord, I'm for you. So you may be here as well. And you, I've been talking about this journey that most of us are on, this journey that God has called us to be part of. But you may not be part of that journey yet. You've heard me talking about Jesus changing lives. And every life that He's changed is called to be part of His life-changing story in our communities and in our, in our generation. You may not know this Jesus the Jesus who, who calls us in love. The Jesus who, who says, I, I want to I be your Savior. I want to be your Lord. I want to be your friend. I want to be with you. I'm the God who saves. I'm the God who keeps. I'm the God who, who loves. If you don't know him like that, you need to know that Jesus came to this world to die for us, to take our sin upon him, to go to the grave, take that sin to the grave, and then he rose again on the third day that we could be set free totally from the power that that sin has over our lives. You could be forgiven today. You can find freedom today because of the work that Jesus did on the cross. And you can be included in this incredible, beautiful story of Jesus.
And before I go on and just pray for this congregation, I want to give an opportunity for anyone that does not know this Jesus like that as Savior, as friend, as Lord. I'd love an opportunity to be able to pray with you and get some guys to pray for you. Anyone, just raise your hand. I just want to make sure everyone in this room is serving Jesus, is loving Jesus, is part of the family, is on the ship. Anyone, you're all, all part of the plans and purposes of God. Everyone, anyone else? Okay. Father, today, I thank you for Jesus. Thank you for sending Jesus, God. Thank you, Lord, that we in this life don't live just for a golden cup, but we live our lives for a prize that goes beyond description. Our lives go, go towards a person who is our reward, the most beautiful, perfect Jesus. And so, Lord, you know, this morning, for all of us, myself included, that we would give ourselves afresh to your plans and to your purposes. Where we have been sitting quietly for too long, God, I pray, we would repent, we would come back, we would ask you to breathe fresh life into us and invigorate us to become more and more and more of what you want us to become. I thank you, God, that your plan is unstoppable. There's nothing that can stop your plan from being fulfilled except our resistance and except our hearts not fully aligned with what you want. And so this morning, God, as we sing a song of worship, as we sing, maybe just respond. Give your heart afresh to him and say, Lord, all. Give it all. Give it all to you, Jesus. He has my heart. He has my life. Here it is, Lord.